Benjamins, baby. Uh huh, yeah. Well, not quite. I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where the intersection of finance, technology, and policy come together. And I'm your host, Chris Brummer. The future of finance is now. The crypto industry is one where the pros and cons, as well as the risk and reward, all lie in the details. And it's not just because technology is complicated. Even when setting aside the constantly evolving nature of blockchain technologies, the rules concerning how infrastructure should be built are far from obvious and ultimately have to be adopted from rules originally contemplated for other financial products like stocks and bonds. Now, nowhere is this more obvious than the segment of the crypto industry involving digital securities. In short, where blockchain-based infrastructures support the trading of digital assets that are deemed to be akin to securities like stocks and bonds, they face the same myriad requirements traditionally reserved for intermediaries like stock exchanges. Now, this isn't an entirely new issue. Some folks have actually thought about using blockchain technologies in traditional capital markets to make them more efficient. Take this conversation from Equibit CEO, Chris Horlacher. In the, these market uh, actors that haven't really been uh, subject to any sort of competitive pressure now for many decades. And so we're, we're introducing something that, you know, it's gonna really improve uh, not only, you know, how people use, use capital markets, but just, you know, just capital markets in general uh, is gonna become more open, more transparent, and more accessible to billions of people around the world. But what if you want to take traditional actors and have them not only use blockchain infrastructures to make themselves more efficient, but to also sell newfangled blockchain-based securities? Tricky technical stuff. And Fintech Beat is not afraid of pushing our audience into the technicalities. And we have today one of the world's foremost experts in crypto land to talk us through these technicalities today. Jeffrey Bandman. Now, Jeff was the inaugural director and initial architect of Lab CFTC, the CFTC's flagship program for engaging emerging technologies for digital assets like Bitcoin, and he's currently running a new startup, Block Agent, out of New York City. Jeff, thanks so much for making it onto the show. Oh, Chris, thanks a lot. I'm a big fan. I always enjoy talking about these issues with you. It's great to be here. I, I think, Jeff, one of the first questions when you look at the state of the crypto markets, there are lots of debates as to whether or not the, the crypto market is a healthy one or not. I mean, before we even get into crypto markets, like what kinds of things signify a healthy market, a healthy uh, financial market, whether or not it be crypto or not, what kinds of players would you want to see? Signs of a healthy market, I would say, are uh, liquidity and adoption. Uh, liquidity meaning, uh, you know, both a supply and demand of uh, of digital assets, whether they're uh, cryptocurrencies or blockchain-based digital securities. Uh, you'd like to see that supply and demand and and kind of a a, a 
a reliable, visible pipeline of those. So, so, so usually when you think about supply and demand, then on, on a say a traditional stock exchange, you're talking about some mixture of retail investors who want to get their hands on something, some mixture of institutional players, and then uh, other folks out in the market who are able to supply and meet that demand in, in, in ways that uh, allow those investors to have full information about what they're buying. Yeah, so I th- I think there's the the investor side and the the issuer side, and it is a little bit of a chicken and egg situation. But you know, issuers who are you know either I think of issuers as either kind of companies or projects that are trying to do capital formation. So these might have been uh, companies or projects that might have done ICOs in 2016 or 2017. Uh, but obviously now those markets in the U.S. clearly are, are regulated security markets. So I would say you know it's issuers uh, of those kinds of things or or platforms of investable assets who say you know what to get to the the investor population, I'm going to do this in the form of some sort of blockchain-based digital asset. That's the issuer side, and I think we're not yet seeing. Uh, as much as we would see in a healthy market of issuers saying, yes, that is my path to capital formation. That is my path to getting either the retailer institutional investors to invest in this product. Now, your company is working in a pretty niche area here. I mean, that concerning transfer agents. Uh, Could you perhaps explain, maybe using traditional stock exchanges as a kind of analogy, what transfer agents do? Because this is a niche area, but it's really important for the institutionalization of digital uh, asset markets? Yeah, so I'd say a transfer agent, it's a very kind of under the radar, picks and shovels, sort of inside baseball, part of the financial markets. You know, a lot of people who've, who've been in these markets for a long time, whether in securities or derivatives, and I mentioned that I'm working on uh, launching a new type of transfer agent, and they kind of look at me in puzzlement. <laughs> just what is it like, and what, what does it do? <laughs> why in the world? <laughs> why in the world are, are you are you are you working on this? So and and it, it is a little counter counterintuitive in a way. So um, in in traditional uh, securities markets, a transfer agent is part of the overall kind of clearance and settlement workflow. It's responsible for things like keeping track of uh, who the owner of record is and when the owner of record changes. Kind of processing that in a in a database, it, it assists in shareholder communications. Uh, you probably, if you get dividend checks in connection with stocks you, you own, you probably you're getting a mail from a, a transfer agent who's processing that for you. If you have a lost or stolen security, uh, they're the ones you, you go to, and they kind of process your claims. So, so transfer agents are are ultimately then deemed for. Perf- providing a certain number of core functions in the ecosystem, if I understand you correctly. On the one hand, they kind of track ownership because they are issuing um, and, and, and canceling different kinds of documents and certificates that, that memorialize ownership. Also, they're keeping track of the number of securities that, it, that any particular investor owns. And then when, when problems arise in the system, they get involved and they help to assist investors in either freezing certain kinds of transactions or, or getting their, their money back? Is, is that a, a, a good summary? Yeah, that's really well put, Chris. There's core uh, reporting and record-keeping functions, uh, keeping track of something called a master security holder file, a control book, and a transfer journal. 
and then making sure there's a place to go to ensure those other functions uh, are occurring. So what's the, the challenge from a technical standpoint of sort of meeting uh, or, or becoming a transfer agent? I mean, transfer agents are actually highly regulated uh, under sort of U.S. law. Um, what's, what, if anything, is, is particularly difficult about building one and adapting those laws for blockchain infrastructures? You know, one, one is uh, dealing with uh, loss or theft of digital assets. Uh, the second is how do you associate things like a, a wallet address with, a, with an, AML, an AML KYC uh, customer or investor? And then also, given that these blockchains, uh, particularly public uh, permissionless blockchains, are immutable, you know, how do you fix mistakes in that environment? Good question, uh, particularly that, that, that last one. Uh, how then do you build a transfer agent that's able to fix mistakes on a blockchain ledger where presumably everything is immutable? Right. So you really have to combine uh, you know, kind of regulatory insight with te technological engineering. And you actually need to uh, build in either into the blockchain itself uh, if it's a kind of a private permissioned one, or into the smart contract, uh, if it's operating on a, a public permissionless ledger, you actually need to build these security features into the smart contract itself. And then you need a process uh, for the in investor to submit a claim uh, or for, uh, for, the, for the transfer agent or for an actor to correct the error. So it's a combination of engineering so that there's a, a mechanism for recourse either to restore lost or stolen or erroneous trade or to correct information. And then you need somebody who can actually act on those things, who has the permissions and entitlements in connection with the technology, but also the, the know-how and the safeguards in, in order to do it safely and properly. And that's where the transfer agent comes in. Maybe you can walk us through the process of how a transfer agent sort of works on the blockchain. So, so what happens and, and where is it sort of jumping into the process? So in the beginning, even before uh, the security is issued, the transfer agent is engaged by the issuer. So, you know, agent is in the title of transfer agent. It's an agent for the issuer of the security. Transfer agents are also considered a gatekeeper uh, by the SEC. So they're part of what keeps the system working uh, safely. So even before the security is issued, at the time the smart contract for, for the token or security instrument uh, is issued, these administrative functions that give the transfer agent the powers to, to, to perform these functions need to be built into the smart contract. So this needs to be designed and built right from the outside, particularly if what you're dealing with is a, a public permissionless chain. You really need to engineer these features into the, the smart contract. That's really interesting. So, so, so this is done even prior to the issuance of the digital security. One must already uh, sort of think through the role of the transfer agent and how that interface is ultimately going to play out. Right, and it means that you need to, you know, anticipate the types of situations that are going to come up, so that uh, you can build those into the the smart contract from the outset. But the, you can think of the transfer agent as really performing uh, two functions. 
One is to carry out the, the functions intended by the smart contract, but then the second is really to check that the smart contract is working as designed. So once then you've you've sort of thought through what you're going to need of your transfer agent in terms of all these administrative responsibilities, and you've built that into your smart contract, uh, then then what next? Do you just go straight to issuance of the digital security, or is then the the the, the transfer agent uh, doing something else? Yeah. So then, um, you know, because what we're uh, issuing are securities, you know, there needs to be some sort of AML, KYC, and onboarding of investors. And there's, there's obligations of the issuer, but, you know, frequently those are executed by the transfer agent on the issuer's behalf. Uh, because remember, um, you know, for investors who are going to be uh, holding these assets in the form of digital tokens, they're going to be holding them in a wallet. And a wallet is kind of a, a metaphor. Uh, it's not a, it, it's, it's really a, a, an address, you know, a string of characters. And so, you know, we need to make sure in our securities markets that the investor has been onboarded, that they're an AML KYC uh, investor. And you know that they're not, you know, North Korea or Iran or on some some list of of banned persons, uh, and that they're a known entity with a known address and other known information. Right. So, and, and, and so that's the market integrity piece. So so now the transfer agent is helping to review then that information of a, of, of 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 the addresses for potential holders of the digital asset. Yeah, and that that's very important at two stages. I mean, for, first of all, at the time when the uh, when the um, when the securities are issued, uh, but then uh, over over the life cycle of of these things, um, you know, there may be a number of different ways of transacting them. But particularly to support peer to peer transactions, right. there needs to be a mechanism for uh, to do AML KYC on the transferee or the destination. Wallet, and so this is an ongoing uh, process. Okay, so now we have that AML KYC. You're, you know, you, we, we verified that that the actor is not <laughs> coming from, I guess, uh, North North Korea or something. Um, then what? Once the investor has been onboarded and, and checked out the AML KYC process, they then, uh, when when the time of issuance comes up, the issuer then issues the uh, the the instrument to the investor the the investor actually uh, you know typically provides payment to the issuer before the um before the instrument is there and then the the transfer agent uh, records you know the the processes that the transfer of ownership of, of record has occurred and then uh, maintains that record of the investors and then whenever there's uh you know a subsequent transfer or attempted transfer you know, then again, uh, the role of the transfer agent kicks in. So many of these things, like a transfer agent, they have to be registered with the SEC. But not all digital assets are securities. So in your view, I mean, is some kind of transfer agent functionality going to be useful back in your old stomping grounds of, 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 of the CFTC and, and for those digital assets are deemed to, to merely be commodities? Or is this really something that is, is, is only necessary for digital uh, asset securities? So um, I, I, would be, um, I would be surprised 
to see you know new regulations or requirements uh, come come out that apply to uh, you know blockchain-based digital assets that are not securities. You know, partly because there's a bit of a regulatory gap. You know, the CFTC has supervision over commodity derivatives, and then kind of indirect and enforcement authority over fraud and manipulation uh, over the um, over the ones that are commodities, but it doesn't have direct supervision, which would enable it to do actually to do policies and direct regulation. Uh, so from that perspective, I just think until our regulatory scheme uh, is, is different, I think it would be practically difficult. Um, but I would suggest two, two other dimensions to this. One, one is, you know, there, there could be an element of best practices to this because of the investor protection feature. And you know, to add voluntarily when someone is creating, for example, a new cryptocurrency uh, for, for, for payments, uh, but to create a safeguard so that if there is a way to restore people's lost or stolen property back to them, you know, that's something that could have benefits. And, you know, that's the some type of thing that someone might explore voluntarily, even if it's not required. And a second aspect to it is actually the insurance and risk feature to it could change as a result of these types of capabilities. Um, in other words, if, if you're seeking insurance for something that can be lost or stolen without recourse, the risk profile and the cost of insurance is likely to be much more expensive. If there's a way to get stolen property back, then the risk profile suddenly changes and it may be much less expensive to get insurance for it. Jeff, thanks so much for this. Oh, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Anytime. Setting up any market is difficult, tricky stuff. But it seems to me that what transfer agents do is critical for functions beyond just securities markets. Tracking who owns something is kind of important, as is being able to freeze and potentially unwind unauthorized transactions. And if you can't, through a transfer agent or anyone else, then, as Jeff noted, other kinds of services suddenly become much more important, like insurance. And that opens an entirely new can of regulatory considerations coming down the pike. I'm Chris Brummer. Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you. Feel free to email us at fintechbeat at cqrollcall.com or tweet to at chrisbrummerdr. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. Join us next time on Fintech Beat, produced by CQ Roll Call.